Hello, I'm Jonathan Carl, Chief White House Correspondent for ABC News, and this is Powerhouse Politics. Each week, I'll be joined by my friends ABC News Political Director Rick Klein and ABC News Political Consultant Matthew Dowd. We'll use the power and reach of ABC News to bring you exclusive interviews with the biggest names and newsmakers in the political world. Plus, we'll bring along our ABC News colleagues to go deep on the top political stories of the day. Thanks for joining us. Coming up, two elected officials on opposite sides of the Trump debate. Should he represent the Republican Party? And a former student from Trump University. And we'll talk to an ABC News reporter about what it's like on the trail covering Hillary Clinton. But Matt and Rick, I got to ask you, we heard from Mitt Romney, the shining star of the Republican Party in 2012, the Republican presidential nominee. What did you make of this case against Donald Trump? Rick. This was stunning. What an amazing moment. You just had the last Republican nominee say that the party needs to burn itself down in order to save itself from the current frontrunner, the guy that looks like he's likely to be the nominee. I have never witnessed anything like it. Mitt Romney came out, read the whole riot act, the entire list of complaints you can possibly bring against Donald Trump, and then in, in maybe the news out of it says the only path forward is a contested convention. The yeah. only way that you can do this is to vote strategically in states, have John Kasich win Ohio, have have Ted Cruz win some states, have Marco Rubio win Florida, and go to the convention without Donald Trump having a majority. It is stunning. It is without precedent. I, I think you have to go back to Teddy Roosevelt to find a, a, another former nominee, in that case a former president, come out as strongly against the, 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 the party's choice the next time. Of course, he went third party, ended up swinging the, the election. It is an unbelievable development in a year of unbelievable developments. Matt? Well, I totally agree with Rick on this. I mean, it's it was an amazing situation, and we can talk about whether or not it's effective, it's going to be effective or not, but he basically didn't argue for a candidate, any candidate to win the presidency. He basically argued, do anything possible, use any principles you want, vote any way you want, just stop Donald Trump so we could get to a brokered or contested convention, and so Donald Trump won't be the nominee. This is a point in time in every other race that we've seen in our lifetimes when there would be circling the wagons to help the likely nominee, to basically help bolster them up, add staff to his campaign, help him with his messaging, bring the party together. The exact opposite is happening today. And this was an exclamation point on what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, that Mitt Romney would do this to Donald Trump. I think it only is going to help Donald Trump. And, and let's not forget, uh, and, and Trump has, of course, pointed this out uh, on Twitter and, and, and will continue to hammer it home this point, that Romney eagerly sought and accepted Donald Trump's endorsement back in 2012 when Trump was an enormously controversial figure because he was uh, making the, the birther case against, against President Obama. Yeah, Mitt Romney is a flawed messenger. There's no question, John, that given his history, given his previous stances, the 47 percent self-deportation, uh, the liberal stances he held before, there's no question that, there's, that he's not the guy to make the argument as effectively. But I don't know of anyone else that has stature like this. And, you know, I've been, I've been talking to some of his former aides, and they, they feel like this has been bubbling up inside of Mitt Romney for a long time. He kept thinking someone else would take care of it. And that's that's kind of a microcosm of the Republican Party's problem all year. He was always supposed to be taken care of at some point by something or someone that was not themselves. So to get to this point, after Super Tuesday, 15 states have already voted. Donald Trump has started to build up a delegate, uh, delegate edge that might be insurmountable. That this is the moment is as incredible as the prescription that Mitt Romney's now offering. And I'll add that in a year that is 
totally anti-establishment and outsider, to have the guy that if you looked up the picture in the dictionary of establishment, Rip, Rip, Mitt Romney would be there. And that, to have him make the argument against Donald Trump, I think is not only going to not affect a single Trump voter, it's only going to solidify him, but for those people that are, want an outsider that are not yet voting for Donald Trump, this is going to help Donald Trump. Okay, but wait a minute. I want to play a little bit of what he said because there was one area where you could argue Mitt Romney uh, is maybe precisely the right messenger, and that is the the case against Donald Trump uh, as a business success, saying that Donald Trump has exaggerated his business success, is something of a con artist. Take a listen to what Romney said. If Donald Trump's plans were ever implemented, the country would sink into prolonged recession. A few examples. His proposed 35% tariff-like penalties would instigate a trade war, and that would raise prices for consumers, kill our export jobs, and lead entrepreneurs and businesses of all stripes to flee America. His tax plan, in combination with his refusal to reform entitlements and to honestly address spending, would balloon the deficit and the national debt. So even though Donald Trump has offered very few specific economic plans, what little he has said is enough to know that he would be very bad for American workers and for American families. But you say, wait, wait, wait. Isn't he a huge business success? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. His, uh... Look, his, his bankruptcies have crushed small businesses and the men and women who work for them. He inherited his business. He didn't create it. And whatever happened to Trump Airlines? How about Trump University? And then there's Trump Magazine and Trump Vodka and Trump Steaks and Trump Mortgage. A business genius he is not. Now, Matt, it's one thing when Marco Rubio is making the case that Donald Trump is not a business success. It's another case when Mitt Romney, who is a genuine business success, is making the case. Well, here's the, I think there's this is that this is another problematic area, I think, for Mitt Romney in the course of this indictment of Donald Trump. The first problematic area is, is I remember full well the attacks on Mitt Romney and his business acumen and what happened when companies were bought and sold, pieces were sold off, people were fired. And so somebody, the Democrats probably, but somebody is going to make the argument is what is Mitt Romney talking about as they made four years ago? That's one problem. The other problem is to basically indict Donald Trump is that he's not a successful businessman as he flies around with a plane with his name on it. And he, you can go in almost every major state in the country where there's resorts and buildings with his name on it. And people say, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So let's listen to another uh, interesting thing that Romney brought up, which was yeah, he's not saying he's going to run himself. He said actually specifically that the winner of the Republican nomination should be Kasich, Cruz, or Rubio. But he doesn't endorse any of them. Listen to what he said. If the other candidates can find some common ground... I believe we can nominate a person who can win the general election and who will represent the values and policies of conservatism. Given the current delegate selection process, that means that I'd vote for Marco Rubio in Florida and for John Kasich in Ohio and for Ted Cruz or whichever one of the other two contenders has the best chance of beating Mr. Trump in a given state. John, that, that is a, 
a crazy prescription, if you ask me. First, <laughs> you're asking voters to strategically decide in, in, on the order of hundreds of thousands or millions to say, okay, well, here's the guy that has the best chance. How do you dictate that? You, you look at the polls in every state, and then you go out and say, well, go with this guy instead of that guy. How do you get the word out about that? I, I understand it as a strategy, and I think it, it is the, the, maybe the only realistic way, but the best option right now for Republicans to deny Trump the majority is to just keep delegates accruing in a whole lot of different directions among three other candidates, the ones that are still in the race. But the idea that that could work because Mitt Romney says it might work or that it's set, it should be done, I, I don't know of any precedent for that. I, I just I don't know any political scientist who says, you know, not only do endorsements usually not work, but the idea of endorsing this kind of bank shot strategy state by state being the way to do it, that, that seems tough to me. Have you ever heard of something like that, Matt? <laughs> well, no. I mean, this is this is such a bizarre we're in such a bizarre time in a bizarre situation where the likely nominee and this is what's being happened to him by the sort of outside establishment and people that have run campaigns before. I actually think, though, he said it, and I agree with Rick, that it's it's going to be hard to voters to figure out what they're actually supposed to do in the course of this state by state. But it seems to me, as we look at how candidates, how Marco Rubio specifically and Ted Cruz is acting over the last 48 hours, they are canceling trips in certain states and putting trips in other states. It looks like they're on the same page, which is, I'm not going to contest you, Ted Cruz, in this state. You're not going to contest me in this state. And we'll hope that John Kasich wins Ohio. It seems that this is this has become part of the entire strategy of the campaign is all it is is pick off votes here and there and hope we're able to stop Donald Trump. So it sounds like either way, the Republican Party, as we know it, comes pretty close to ceasing to exist. I mean, if either... Donald Trump completes this hostile takeover of the party or this double bank shot strategy of, you know, supporting different candidates. You deny him a majority and then somehow manage to take the, uh, the, the, the nomination away from him at the convention in Cleveland results in a either a massive walkout of Trump supporters and alienates all those voters that have been showing up to vote for him. Of all people and of all candidates, Donald Trump's people aren't going to say, ah, you got us. Well, we lost. So that's great. We're going to now sit down and we're going to support Marco Rubio or maybe it's Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney, whoever the consensus choice of the nomination is. This is going to be a fractured party at the end of this, maybe a dead, no longer living party at the end of this. You are going to have walkouts. You're going to have anger. You're going to have the, the threat of a third party run is very real when you're talking about Donald Trump. He's already threatened it. This sort of mistreatment is exactly what he's talking about. So this will not end well for Republicans. Even their best case scenario, somehow Donald Trump is denied the nomination. If you ask Mitt Romney, that's the best case scenario, is a terrible scenario. It sounds to me like John, Rick just declared the death of the Republican Party. Well, I, I, I agree with Rick. I think the sell-by date for the Re- for Republican Party as we knew it was March 1st. That was the sell-by date. And they couldn't do what they needed to do to sort of keep this together. And now we're in a zone where I think regardless of what happens over the next three months, there is going to be a third party candidate. And that third party candidate is either going to be Donald Trump with a huge chunk of voters that got the nomination taken away from him, or it's going to be some conservative Republican that says we can't allow this race to be between uh, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in the course of this. So I think the Republican Party is broken And what's going to happen over the course of the next seven months is going to basically unfold in that way. Okay, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to a real live Republican elected official, actually member of Congress, who supports Donald Trump and probably disagrees 
with what we just heard from both Rick and Matt. ABC News Radio. The situation unfolding in the streets of Ferguson is absolutely chaotic. Another volley of shots, five or six gunshots. Honored with the prestigious Edward R. Murrow Award for overall excellence for the second year in a row. We're at the Al Aqsa Martyrs Hospital, which has been hit by Israeli tank shells. There's a gun battle raging in the streets of Kiev. There is some sort of debris in the water. We will be the first plane on site. The best team in radio is right here. ABC News Radio. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. I'm Jonathan Carl. I'm with my friend Rick Klein, ABC News political director. And we are joined right now by Representative Tom Marino, Republican of the great state of Pennsylvania. And Congressman Marino, are you with us? I am. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on the program. Thanks for for joining us. You are uh, one of those rare creatures uh, who is a member of Congress, member of the Republican Party in good standing, elected official uh, who is uh, supporting Donald Trump for president. Yes, I am. So what do you make of what we just heard from Mitt Romney? Well, I have two things to say about that. Uh, I'm disappointed, but he's entitled to his opinion. Okay, uh, you, you elaborate. I mean, he made, he was made that a, one or two? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, that, that was points one and two. Well, I mean, g- g- give me a little bit more. He, made a, he basically suggested that, uh, that, that Donald Trump could destroy American democracy as we know it. Well, if... I believe that I would not be endorsing uh, Mr. Trump. He has garnered a lot of support from people. And if you think the overwhelming support that he had before Mr. Romney made his statement, you wait to see how big that explodes into after this statement. Why, Congressman? I mean, you heard this was this was a stinging and detailed indictment on yeah. his on personal levels as well as professional levels, business levels, economic plan, foreign policy. This is the most recent nominee of the party. You do know that about two thirds of voters, on average across the states, are still voting for a candidate other than Mr. Trump. Why do you feel like the Mitt Romney anti-endorsement only makes Trump and his supporters stronger? Because what I'm hearing in overwhelmingly in my district. What I am hearing uh, across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are more and more people saying, I'm supporting Donald Trump. doesn't matter if it's Republican, Democrat, or Independent, because he is saying what I am thinking. And we have a situation here where the establishment, call it the establishment, call it the insiders, call it the policy manipulators, whatever you want to call them, because they're all three, they're trying to uh, steal the nomination from the voters. And I've always been a guy, I come from a lower middle class family, worked in a factory until I was 30, put myself through college and law school, and I just happened to pay close, very close attention to what hardworking factory people, blue collar people are saying, and it's overwhelming. And uh, look, he's winning, he's winning the primaries, so the way to do this is win the primaries, you win the primaries, uh, you win the, the delegate votes, when you win the vele- delegate votes, you win the White House. And he's doing it very methodically. So what, what are you hearing from your colleagues? You said you're hearing your constituents, a lot of them supporting Donald Trump. What, what, what are you hearing from your colleagues in Congress? I'm getting, uh, I've had no one criticize me uh, yet, face to face, and I haven't heard any talk, but I've had a fair number of my colleagues congratulate me. Uh, they agree with me. Uh, they're not ready to pull the trigger yet. Uh, but you know something? That's, that is uh, not the most important thing to me. The most important thing I'm hearing, we're getting calls uh, overwhelmingly from people from my state and across the country, 
that they're thanking me for coming forward. And I wanted to do this before Super Tuesday because I'm not the kind of guy that waits uh, for the sure thing. I'm very concerned about where the country is headed, and I'm afraid for my children's future. And I think Donald Trump can create jobs. He can go eyeball to eyeball on trade with other countries. And I think he's the leader we need in the White House at this point. All right, Congressman Marino, thank you very much for joining Powers Politics. And we hope to talk to you going forward. We want to talk to you again, certainly at the Republican convention in Cleveland. Um, and we're going, to be, uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on you and on what happens with the party in this really extraordinary time. It sure is. Uh, and again, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this. All right. Take care. So, Rick, what do you make of that? I think there's a, there's a crop of elected officials around the country, and you'd put Chris Christie um, as the most prominent member of this, who, who are seeing what's happening and trying to get out in front of it instead of being stuck behind it. They, they think that Trump is going to be the nominee, and they're talking to friends and neighbors and allies in politics who are saying, look, this guy is doing something. He's changing the party. John, look, if, if Donald Trump was doing this and not named Donald Trump, We'd be talking about an Obama-like figure in the Republican Party. It's because he's record Trump. turnout, sure. state after state, excited. exciting the base. Yeah. People are excited to vote for the first time in their lives on the Republican side, and record ratings for debates. You know, people are following the campaign more closely than we've ever seen, even more than 2008. That's right. Now, but then you put Donald Trump on top of it all, and then and then you start having the prescriptions of party and chaos and all the rest. But there are elected officials. Maybe they're maybe at the moment they're a little bit closer to where their constituents are. Again, Mitt Romney's home state of Massachusetts. It's just voted 49% for Donald Trump. So when you're seeing that on the ground, when you're feeling that as an elected leader, some are making the choice, let's get on the train early. All right. Now, we have on the phone a very different take on Donald Trump. Uh, Mr. Bob Gio is a uh, former student at a school. You've probably heard of this one, uh, Rick, Trump University. Uh, and he's been featured in uh, one of the ads that has attacked Donald Trump uh, for uh, for what happened at Trump University, obviously the subject of a of a lawsuit. Mr. Gio, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. You're welcome. So, what exactly happened? You signed up for Trump University. What did you expect? How much did you have to pay? Okay, uh, first let me say that I was an investor in Trump hotels and casinos. And I agree with Mitt Romney. I lost over $10,000 when they went bankrupt. So with that knowledge, I should have been a little bit smarter. And uh, I wasn't. I attended, my son attended a free training seminar. And uh, on September 16th of 2009, he paid $1,495 to attend a profit from real estate investing retreat. Uh, a three-day retreat that started on uh, September 25th, I believe, of 2009, and I attended with him. And uh, I met at that retreat the best motivational speaker I've ever heard in my life, James Harris. James Harris showed us videos of Donald Trump and told us that Donald Trump doesn't need your money. He's a multi-billionaire. He's doing this as a benevolent fellow, and he wants to help little guys like you make it like he did in the real estate investment market. And Donald Trump's video, as you've seen before, says, I personally picked all of the instructors, and in all of the court papers, it turns out he didn't meet one of them, including James Harris, who claimed that he went to lunch and dinner with uh, Donald Trump. So at the end of this uh, three-day real estate investing seminar or retreat, as they call them, I plunked down $34,995 for 
for the gold Trump Gold Elite Program. Okay, the only part of the uh, membership that I didn't take was the three-day infield mentorship because after I attended uh, four retreats, I realized from the beginning at the first retreat that I had been scammed because at every one of these retreats they asked you for more and more and more money and uh, all the information that they gave us was totally worthless. Uh, for example, the first time I saw their PowerPoint presentation, they brought up a website called Zillow.com, which I had heard of before, <laughs> and IRS.gov. And I certainly knew about that website, and I knew what my uh, business deductions would be if I had a limited liability company. And uh, every one of these instructors told their rags-to-riches stories, so, and uh, the whole thing was a total waste of time and a total waste of money. And when I attempted to uh, find out a little bit more by filing FOIL requests with the state officials, I found out that uh, I wasn't the only one that got scammed. And, Did you uh, ever fill anything out saying that uh, that you uh, liked what you were seeing? Because Trump has said that uh, oh, 98%... approval.com website. I certainly did. The first uh, satisfaction questionnaire that I filled out was for James Harris. And I thought that he was so great. As I mentioned, I, I already uh, paid $34,995. So I put down... Uh, the highest rating, which was five. And on all of the subsequent workshops, in order to get your certificate of attendance, or I forget what they call it, approval, uh, the uh, instructor would say, hey, guys, uh, you know, if you want to pick up your certificates, you have to fill out this questionnaire first, and uh, please give me fives on all of them, because if you don't do that, Mr. Trump may not invite me back to New York to do more of these uh, retreats. So... Being so, dumb and not realizing that these were going to use, be used as a defense in a legal action, uh, I said, hey, it doesn't cost me anything. I'm just going to X off all the boxes and give them all five. All right, Mr. Gio, thank you everyone. very much for joining us. Former student at Trump University, uh, now trying to now suing to try to get his money back. Thank you very much for talking to us. You're welcome. Bye now. So, Rick, th- this is an issue that actually may end up hurting Trump, no? Yeah, Mitt Romney it touched on it, but it, it, Rubio is the one who brought it in that debate that seems like a million years ago now in Texas, uh, where he he started to just dump out the whole Oppo book on on, on Trump's head, yeah. and included in that was you're a con man, a fake university, seriously a fake university. You're seeing some outside groups begin to hit this, and I, I personally think that's a more effective attack than you have a spray tan and you have small hands and all the rest. It's not about Donald Trump's hairstyle. It's about him as a businessman, him presenting the image that he has, the history of legal issues. That's fruitful. The question that I think will reign for decades in Washington and beyond, John, is is what took so freaking long <laughs> yeah. for people to talk this about This story it. has been out for a long time. Uh, we, I ABC remember News this, has done wait, stories yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and part, part of it will, will always fall in the media, but... You know, candidates talk about things on the trail. They talk about their can their own strengths and their opponents' weaknesses. And the fact that this didn't come up until the eve of Super Tuesday, when millions of votes were already banked, when when this whole Trump thing had become a phenomena, is an astounding fact that I think historians will look back on and just scratch their heads. See what was going on. Right, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Powerhouse Politics. 
When news breaks, ABC News Radio is there. Is an active shooter situation at Fort Hood. When tragedy struck Fort Hood again. Police moving around the base. They're giving descriptions of a person that they're looking for now. I'm a pretty seasoned reporter, but I thought, no, this couldn't be happening again. ABC News Radio honored with the prestigious Edward R. Murrow Award for outstanding breaking news coverage. When news breaks, there's only one place to turn, right here. Hey, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. Rick, we now have uh, an interview that the great Ali Weinberg of ABC News conducted with Senator Ben Sass. Explain who Ben Sass is again. He's a Nebraska Republican, former college president, only in his mid forties. Uh, came in uh, in the in the most recent election. And he's an intriguing guy, a thoughtful guy throughout his time. Uh, kind of a policy wonk, uh, and and of course he he came out with a with a statement in the last couple of days that was a stunner. Put a Facebook post out there, an open letter to Trump supporters, where he declared in part that he would be seeking a third party option, a third option if, in fact, Donald Trump is the nominee, the first sitting senator to say anything like that. So he's gone further than anybody. Cause we, we've, we've heard major figures in the Republican Party come out strongly against Trump. Most of them, almost all of them always add that they'll support whoever the nominee is. They might say the nominee is not going to be Donald Trump. But Sass, a rising star in the Senate, That's right. a freshman senator, uh, making the case or saying that not only would he not support, not, not only does he think that Trump should be defeated in the nomination process here, but that uh, if he wins the nomination, that that he would like to go somewhere else. Even Mitt Romney is not going that far. You are starting to see this bubble up, though, in conservative talk circles, the idea of taking over a third-party ballot spot or running an independent kind of conservative candidate, someone that go out there. Rick Perry's name is coming to, to the mix. Even Mitt Romney's name is coming to the mix. But it is Senator Sass who's the first one out of the box on it. All right, and here's Allie Weinberg's discussion with Senator Sass. Senator Sass, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I want to dive right into it. Why do you think more Senate Republicans haven't followed your lead and publicly disavowed Donald Trump? I don't know much about that stuff. I've never been a politician before. I'm a 44-year-old dad and former college president. I think there are only two of us in the Senate who've never run for anything before. So I don't, I don't know how to read the motives of politicians, but I know my community. I, uh, I live in Nebraska. We commute every week. And when I listen to people in my town at the grocery store and at sporting events and at church, um, there's great anxiety. They, people think that Hillary Clinton is a fundamentally dishonest New York liberal, and that's going to be the Democratic nominee. And people look around and they say, and so the Republican Party's solution to a bad candidate, a dishonest New York liberal, is to nominate another dishonest New York liberal. Doesn't make a lot of sense to folks in my community. Now, with that said, the races that have happened already, the people who have already voted, Donald Trump has been essentially running the table. Uh, You have suggested a third option, but is there space for a third option that would get votes, given that Donald Trump so far has been so successful in the primaries that have happened? Depends on how you define successful. He has the highest negatives of anybody who's ever run for president. It's a strange way to define success. So I think we're eight months away from a November election, and people should keep a mind on that. It's the first week of March. It's not the first week of November. And I think the analog for where we sit right now is 1860. In 1860, the political parties were coming apart at the seams, and everybody thought it was the end of the world. And what ended up happening is we had four candidates for president, and we got Abraham Lincoln out of that process. And so I think the political parties are coming apart right now. I don't think this is new. I don't think Donald Trump created this. In fact, let's 
give Donald Trump credit. Um, he knows how to wage a hostile takeover of a corrupt and broken institution. And that's what both political parties look like to most Americans right now. You would never be able to get Donald Trump if the Republican Party wasn't so vacuous over the last many years. Nobody knows what the first principles of the Republican Party are. That's a big problem. Right, and you've been calling for a course correction for a long time now, but we're in the middle of this campaign. Is it too late for the Republican Party to change courts now before we have a new nominee in the Republican Party? I don't think it is. I mean, first of all, I hope that the voters pick uh, a different candidate over the rest of this Republican primary. That's, that's my first hope. I'm a part of the party of Abraham Lincoln, and I think we should recover those principles. I'm not a part of the party of David Duke, Donald Trump, and I don't think that is really what this party is going to be. So I'm hopeful that this nominating process leads to something different than what looks to be the front runner right now. On the other hand, I think we need to recognize that political parties are just tools. The things that should unite us as a people are what we believe as Americans. We believe in American exceptionalism. We believe in limited government. We believe in the nearly limitless potential of individuals. And I'm a conservative. And I'm a conservative before I'm a Republican. The Republican Party is a tool, and it's done lots of good things. And through its past, it's been the party of Lincoln and Reagan. It should become that again. But if it becomes something totally different, then I think we need to rethink the tool. So, John, it'll be interesting to see if Senator Sass stands alone on this, because it's one thing to go out there on, on a limb. And you, there's a couple of House members that are also also saying it. But you know, it's such a hypothetical now. It would take an actual movement that people like this would, would get involved in to, to draft someone to do this. I'd imagine it won't happen until after the convention, given now the talk of contested conventions. But who knows? We'll see how these next couple of weeks play out. It's, it's an intriguing thing. It's also very hard to imagine a scenario where that so-called conservative candidate is successful. It's not like Donald Trump supporters would suddenly bolt him after the uh, after the convention. So I, I don't know quite how that works out to a degree that's good, but I think you're hearing from Senator Sass standing on principle. And then so many questions. How do you get on the ballot if you're right. a third-party candidate? I, you know, there's the possibility of getting on the line of an existing party, uh, like the Constitutionalist Party. But I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and, and whoever did that would be declaring war. I mean, actually, uh, uh, you know, I mean, in a political sense, literally, uh, on the party, on the Republican Party. That's right. And maybe signing its death warrant. I mean, yeah. it, you, can't, you can't recover from that as a party. And that's the, the concern that I think is out there. And that's why most people won't go as far as Senator Sass. But again, I mean, he's putting, he's putting himself out there on the line, which is, you know, what politics is about. But, you know, there are... Two major parties right now, Rick. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's the Democratic. You know, they're having a nomination process <laughs> no. as well. Have you seen this? I haven't. This is a new. Yeah. Wait, yeah. They're, they're kind of new to this. New to the game. And uh, we are joined right now on the phone by one of ABC's uh, top political reporters, Liz Kreutz, who's been covering the Hillary Clinton campaign. Liz, yeah. thank you for joining Powers Politics. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, coming over to the Democratic side. Yeah, you know, every once in a while we like to talk about what's happening over there. And let me tell you, it looks like Hillary Clinton has never had it better. Huge wins across the board on Super Tuesday. Big lead in the delegate race. Uh, everything seems to be going her way. And then the newspapers uh, hit with a thud this morning. You had these dueling stories in the New York Times and the Washington Post about that FBI investigation into her uh, use of private emails and classified information on those private emails and the private server. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of funny because you talk to her campaign aides the past few days and, and the past few days, and obviously they're feeling good and feeling confident, but there's always this air of caution. And it's because they know that in Clinton world, 
things can be going great, and then boom, something hits. And that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And it was a year ago yesterday, a year ago from yesterday, the email story actually broke. Happy anniversary. Um, happy anniversary, right? Uh, so, you know, it's been quite a year, and it's still going on, and it could be going on for many, many more months. And I think her campaign is pretty much overall the same response that they continue to have, which is we're not worried about this. We want her to speak. She's being as transparent as possible. It's not going to have any effect on the campaign, and this is a right-wing conspiracy theory that they're uh, making up, and that's how they're going to continue to respond, and that's how they've been responding. Now, Liz, something remarkable happened on the trail this week. Uh, Hillary Clinton, um, you can tell us the details, but Hillary Clinton actually took questions from the traveling Whoa, press. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Uh, what, no, no, this is, it's a headline. This what, is a you real mean thing. from reporters yes. that are covering her campaign? <laughs> yeah, I, they, I, I, they were allowed to ask her questions? I'm pretty sure this is true. Liz can confirm it, but it had been, uh, it had been by like our account. You mean like regular reporters, like with the notepads and stuff like no, that? Yeah, it's, uh, I, the, I need Liz to verify the details here, but how, how long uh, had it been exactly, and tell us what happened? Yeah, I can confirm this indeed happened. Uh, we, we wrote it as a headline. Hillary Clinton took press questions from her traveling press after 88 days. It had been 88 days, December 4th, that she had actually stopped and answered a question from a member of her traveling press. On How many piano keys are there? <laughs> Isn't it? A, I think, yeah. So, okay. Wait, wait, can, a, can a can visual I, representation. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, I don't want to just gloss by. Say that again. <laughs> okay. So, 88 I, days without taking yes. a question from the reporters that are covering her campaign? Yeah, now her campaign obviously will say, look, she's done a lot of television interviews with the big names and the big sit-down Hand-picked, et cetera, like et cetera, yes, but... Exactly. I mean, a lot of the Chris Matthews and MSNBC, and they kind of pick where they like to go. But just taking a question from somebody like me or some of my counterparts well, who were on the trail with her every single day at every single campaign event, she had not done that since December 4th. Uh, in Fort Dodge, Iowa, she took a few questions late on a Friday night when no one was even really paying attention. But, but, but of course, that, be, before about... that, before that, she had been taking questions daily, right? No, 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 no. Before <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, right? Uh, of course. Obviously. How yeah, long had it been is... before that? So, uh... I, I think it had been like a month and a half or a month before that, and before that, like a few more weeks. I mean. But even then, when she did it every two weeks, we were excited. At this point, then, this had gotten to really be extreme, and it started to really frustrate a lot of reporters, and people wrote stories about it and were tweeting about it, and the RNC was sending releases about it, and that's sort of what But can I ask um, you a serious question? Yeah. Why? Why is she so averse to taking questions? I mean, you, you see know, Bernie Sanders takes questions virtually every day. Obviously, you see Donald Trump. Do, do, I mean, he even, Donald Trump even has a press conference instead of a victory uh, speech on Super Tuesday. Uh, you know, uh, the other Republican candidates, for, for the most part, regularly take questions. What? Why? Why no questions? What's I mean, going I think, on? I think there's a few things, actually. I think one is the control, right? They don't, I don't think love all the questions that we ask her. We're going to ask about emails. We're going to ask about Bernie Sanders writing poll numbers. What's the benefit for them, I think, is what they see. What are we asking her that's actually benefiting her or their storylines that they want to push out in any way? We're not, you know, I think that um, those they don't always like the questions reporters are asking, so why do Well, why it? don't you just ask nicer questions then, Liz? <laughs> right. Well, some and of them... You know that's the funny thing is often we've gotten to the point now where we're like, how are you feeling today? You did this a few weeks ago in Iowa. How are you feeling? You're feeling good. And even that... She wouldn't acknowledge. Yeah, we saw that. that. <laughs> we posted that at abcnews.com, and, and John Carl did ask one of the more probing questions I've ever, I've ever. I heard. mean, this was a tough one. I, I would have some, run from this. It was what some was it variation again? of, "Are you going to win?" 
Oh, I God. think it was that. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was it was a tough one. You could see the wheels really turn in her head as she decided how she's going to to address it and decided she's better do off I just answer, pretending she didn't do I not hear answer it. that? Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. No. But also the other thing, though, it's actually interesting, and her aides will sort of say just in conversations, is that there's still this lingering, you know, sort of animosity she feels suppressed from all the years she's been in the public eye and all the things she's gone through and the question of why, why would she want to talk with you? Why would she want to be on a plane with you? You know what she's been through. And that's still a thing that, that they talk about and that they tell us. And I think it's fascinating. It's a lot about her. So... So, so can I, can I ask you a, a question going back? I remember there was a story um, about the, uh, the the velvet ropes. I don't know if they were actually velvet, but uh, <laughs> they looked yeah. like Home Depot ropes. But okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, the ropes that reporters were, uh, were were being kind of pushed behind. What 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 what? How how is it? I mean, did, how do they kind of keep you guys uh, from from getting to uh, uh, to to Secretary Clinton, or do they? Well- they learned their lesson from that day. That was July 4th, 2015. I'll never forget it. It was Ropegate. Um, we what what happened? North Remind North us. <laughs> Basically what happened was we were walking in the 4th of July parade in northern New Hampshire. We were following her there, and her staff didn't want us to get too close to her because they wanted her to have space to greet people. But instead of just telling us to stay back or tell, you know, coming up with a, I don't know, different way of doing things or allowing us to walk up to her and ask her questions, basically, they got a rope out and put a rope around us and kind of dragged us down the parade route on a rope. And I ended up, like, hitting you know, someone and, and, you know, like someone, another reporter, and started bleeding, and another guy got, like, wrapped in the rope, and then <laughs> pictures got put out, and it started becoming a whole thing. So I just picked it up, and next thing you know, you know, her campaign's getting in big trouble for roping, like, literally roping the press. Um, but they learned their lesson from that, and since then I've never seen the rope. I do know that there's one Clinton staffer that owns this, this rope, and they donate it to you know some museum one day, Smithsonian. Um, <laughs> joke, but um, the rope still exists. But late, since then we haven't had that experience, and actually, you know, we we are able to get sort of close to her. But that's the funny thing. I've literally been in her face, like right next to her, asked her a question, and she just goes hi and, and ignores it. So Even though, we can I mean, get close. But, how, I don't yeah. know how many hundreds of events you've covered at this point. Maybe you have a running tally, but she clearly knows who you are. I mean, you must get this question all the yeah. time. But she knows who you are. She knows who the regular faces are. But she still, you know, it's 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 almost like it, it's not a human interaction, right? I mean, she's yeah. she's looking yeah, yeah, right yeah. through you at times when 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 she's on task. Absolutely. We all feel this way. Covers. She knows She knows who we are. I mean, I, I could technically blend in as another young you know, woman supporter trying to get a selfie with her. I have to go to the rope line with my iPhone. So I think I could, in theory, blend in on the rope line when I'm trying to get up to her. But she very clearly knows when she's shaking hands with a bunch of women when she comes to me to skip over me. She's very well aware of that. And maybe I get like a hi. But that's well, all. <laughs> well, look, uh, we're always happy to shake your hand. Liz, uh, you're doing phenomenal work out there, tireless. Uh, I, I know you almost uh, never get a day off, and uh, and you've covered <laughs> every inch of that campaign and really do a phenomenal job for, uh, for ABC News. So thank you very much, Liz. Thanks, John and Rick. By the way, Rick, I, I should point out, <laughs> I, I, I've just been informed that today, in fact— was Liz's day off. Well, that's so, not acceptable. Get back so to I'm work. Glad, I'm, 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 I'm glad that we uh, that we bothered her on her day off. All right, Liz, please get the heck out of here. Take a walk. Get go, some air. Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm leaving. No more. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. You have a Bye final you. thought. We're done here, Rick. What's your final thought on powerhouse politics? This is the most unbelievable campaign ever. I mean, it's just <laughs> incredible. Every time we think we've lost the capacity to be surprised by something, you have uh, a series of events like this. Donald Trump as the front runner, the you know the former uh, the former party standard bearer coming out and saying, you know, stop this guy at all costs, even if the entire party has to melt down. 
the march of, of Hillary Clinton. It is just an astounding series of storylines. And you know, we. An FBI investigation. That's right. the front runner on the other side. This is just absolutely amazing. Gotta love it. I mean, what's the choice? It's just, it's, it's been incredible at every turn. But it, you know, I think even as things start to settle down, you see these just, just unbelievable storylines. Very rich, very textured, tell you a lot about the country, tell you a lot about America. All right. Thank you all for listening to Powerhouse Politics. Come back and join us next week because God knows what's going to happen then. <laughs>